welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us now. Here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. be with you. Glad you are able to be with us today. And uh, I am glad to be with you. Been away a couple of weeks. And today we continue a study that we started at the beginning of our summer. And and um, we've been kind of team teaching through that. Elliot and myself have been talking about those one another statements in the Bible. And there are over 100 one another statements in the Bible. And uh, about 60% of them, the Apostle Paul gives to us. Jesus, in his teaching, gives many. And uh, all of those one another statements kind of help us understand how we can live in relationship with one another. How do, we, how do we get along? And I think these are important truths for us, especially today uh, in the world that we're living in. So today... As we look at the one another statements in the Bible, we come to another one another statement, and that is that statement or command, if you will, that tells us that we are to serve one another. And if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter five. It's a fun book. And often Galatians chapter five, because it has that passage of scripture that is so amazing that is the fruit of the Spirit, we sometimes just really focus on that and we miss some of what Paul is saying to us earlier. But in that chapter uh, five of the book of Galatians, we're gonna look together at, at verse 13 down through verse 15 together. As Paul begins to talk to us about walking in the freedom that we have in Christ and he talks to us about serving one another. Well, with that in mind, look at verse 13, 14, 15. We'll read it and we'll kind of unpack it in our time uh, together this morning. So if you have your Bible, chapter five, Galatians, look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Now those three verses really offer great insight and are a part of the whole that Paul communicates in this text. But what I wanna share with you today is just really, I think, three truths that kind of help us understand what it is to embrace, live out, and obey the commandment that God has given us through the Apostle Paul here to serve one another. Now, there are three things we're gonna look at. We're gonna, first of all, look at the choice. I believe there's a choice connected to this text. Secondly, we're gonna talk uh, together about the, the challenge and, and uh, the difficulty of that. And then third, we're gonna talk about the charge. I'm gonna offer kind of a charge and a challenge to you that you can walk out with. So first of all, let's talk about the choice that is given. Now, to really understand that passage of scripture that I read, those few verses, you really have to understand the context of the book of Galatians or the letter that Paul is writing here to the churches of Galatia. There were several churches in Galatia and and after having had the opportunity to hear the gospel, to discover that Jesus died 
in order that our sin could be forgiven and that we could be connected with God, we could be right with God, we, we, we could walk in forgiveness uh, and we are free from the penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death, but know that if I place my faith in, in Jesus Christ, I can live forever with him. And, and so as these people in Galatia began to hear the gospel, the good news, they began to respond. And they began to say yes to Jesus and their lives were radically changed. They came to know the joy of, of forgiveness and the fullness that God begins to bring into their life. And what happened was as one person comes to faith in Christ and discovers the good news, they begin to share it with another and another and another. And, and there was a revival that was taking place in Galatia as people were coming to know Christ. But in the midst of this, there were some in the church who were not as happy as those new believers. And they were saying to those who had just accepted Christ, now, wait a minute, it's not quite that easy. Now, it's important that you accept Jesus as your savior, but you also have to keep all the, the laws of Moses in the Old Testament. And you have, to, you have to adhere to the dietary laws and you have to keep the feast days and the holy days and, and, and all of those laws that God gave to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, you have to fulfill those too. And, and if you have children, they're boys, they need to be circumcised and the men need to be circumcised. And, and they literally were saying, you need, it's fine that you accept Jesus, but you have to go back and do all this other stuff too. And so because that's going on, Paul writes a letter to the churches in Galatia, which is the book of Galatians in our Bible. And he tells them, oh, whoa, 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 time out. No, there's freedom in Christ. You don't, you don't, you're not a, a believer, you're not saved. You don't go to heaven because you're keeping the law. And it's not Jesus plus keeping the law and the dietary requirements and all of the other rules and regulations that, that guarantees that you have a relationship with God. Jesus is enough. And so there is freedom in Christ. And so Paul writes about that freedom that we have in Christ through this letter that he writes to the people of Galatia. Now you can imagine, having struggled with that, when they get this letter, it is free. And it's like, wow, okay, we don't after all, but because all of these rules and regulations seem to stifle that freedom and it just really becomes a burden around our neck and, and, and they were beginning to feel like they couldn't do what they need to do in order to experience God's love and grace. And so through all that experience, Paul writes this letter and as they receive it, they're like, yes, we are free in Christ, so we don't have to do that. Jesus is enough. We are free from the penalty of sin, which is death, and the power of sin as God lives in us. But it's against that backdrop that Paul says what he says in verse 13. Now, he's communicating that freedom. In fact, if you'll look at chapter 5, look at verse 1. Paul talks about that freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't fall back into that legalism 
that some are tempting you to embrace. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Well, I'm all excited about that freedom. And then Paul says in verse 13 though, for you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And I think ultimately what Paul is saying in the text before us is he is saying, hey, you are free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, the word flesh that he uses there doesn't refer to our skin. It is a word that refers to selfish, sinful desires. It really is a word that can be characterized as, as indulging my own personal desires. And he says, so instead of indulging your own personal selfish desires, serve one another. You have a choice. You are free. Free people have a choice. You can serve yourself or you can serve others. And Paul wants us to recognize that serving ourselves does not bring freedom. You see, this is a great word for us because we live in a world today that tells us that really we should be all about ourselves. That really all that matters is what you think and what you want and, and what you believe about yourself is important and everybody else needs to conform to what you believe because you're the most important person in the whole universe and life really revolves around you. And we live in a culture today that says, hey, it's all about me and my self-interest. It's all about what I want. Express yourself, be yourself, do everything you can. And it kind of builds on something that's in us. Because even a child on the playground, do you remember when we were children in the playground and somebody would try to get us to do something we didn't want to do? And you remember ever hearing this little phrase from a child? It's a free country. I can do whatever I want to do. It's free. And you know, those children grew up into adults that are screaming today, it's a free country and I can do whatever I want to do. And we argue over the constitution, we argue over rights because it all revolves around us. Because we believe that freedom means I can do whatever I want to do. But does it? I, I brought a little bowl with a goldfish. This is Fred, by the way. And I brought Fred with us because I think Fred can kind of illustrate for us this reality. Um, Fred is really confined in this little bowl. I mean, he doesn't have very much space, right? I mean, he's just, his whole life is just swimming in circles in this little bitty bowl. And honestly, when you think about it, Fred needs to be free. I mean, there's a whole big old world out here, right? I mean, look at this room. Look at the space in this room. He is right here. He can't go anywhere but right here but I can free him. 
I can reach into that bowl and I can grab Fred and I can pull him out of the bowl and I can put him on this table and he's going to flounce around out here and he is free. Free. We can free Fred today. But you know what's going to happen, right? Uh, in fact, I'll ask you the question. If I reach in there and I free Fred and put him on this table, is he free? No, he's going to flounce around out here and gasp for water. He's not free at all. Because I have taken him out of the environment he was created for and placed him in another environment. And what God is saying to us is that as a child of God, the environment where we thrive as believers is not an environment where I focus on self, but where I focus on others. In fact, in verse 15, he tells us kind of what happens. He gives us a warning. He tells us what happens when we live selfishly, doesn't he? Look, look at what he says in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed of one another. This is what I've discovered. When we serve ourselves, other people get in the way. When we serve ourselves, other people get in the way. And we have a tendency when we serve ourselves to devour and use other people because it's not about them, it is about us. And we sometimes, in a selfish way, leave other people in the wake. We're like a boat on a lake going across, and, and, and when we are selfish, we're just leaving people in the wake behind us. And you know what I discovered? If I devour other people, they have a tendency to devour me. And so Paul says, be careful, guys, because if you walk down that selfish road of, of using other people, you know what? You're going to be used. And all of a sudden, you just devour each other because that's not the environment that God placed you in. The aquarium is a better picture of the environment God placed us in. It's not for one fish, but for many. Now, some of you growing up had an aquarium. I had an aquarium when I was a kid, and, and, and I had fish that were in there. And they're beautiful, and they're fun, and they're tranquil to watch. Unless you get one that's picking on the others. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever have one of those aquariums where you had fish, and there was one that was just always biting the fins of everybody else? He was always, he was destroying everything. And all of a sudden, it wasn't fun to watch anymore. I mean, we would, we would watch these fish. I had some angel fish, and I had one that was just mean. You know, he was, he was, he was the fallen angel. <laughs> and so I had Satan, the son of Satan fish, and he was just biting everybody else. And, and so we would watch the aquarium, and, and instead of just watching the fish and enjoying the day, we were always trying to figure out how to keep the devil fish from biting everybody else. 
And I mean, you get angry. We get. I mean, sometimes we get mad and get a little net, you know, and grab him, and and we would put him on a timeout, put him against the wall, you know, and and separate him from everybody else. And then we think he learned his lesson. And we would let him go. And it obviously there are bullies in the fish world, and he would just go right back at it. But when. When you look in an aquarium and the fish are not fighting, isn't it an amazing thing? I was, I was in a restaurant the other day, and, and this is, I'm sorry, it's the epitome of irony. We went to a sushi restaurant, and there's a beautiful aquarium in there. Isn't that, isn't that, that's irony, isn't it? But none of the fish that were in there are the fish that we're eating. But anyway, um, but they had this beautiful aquarium, and and I'm watching these fish moving through. It was a saltwater aquarium, it was large, and they had schools of fish and they were moving. And when they are moving together in the environment that they were created to it, there's a beauty there. But when one of them becomes selfish, it just disrupts everything. And so Paul is saying, you got a choice with the freedom God's given you, but don't choose to be selfish and self-centered thinking that that's true freedom because it's not. It's like taking Fred out of the bowl and putting him on the counter. Oh, he's free, but that's not real freedom. The other choice is to serve others, he says. Love and serve in humility those around you. That is the environment you were created for. Now, there's a challenge there, I think. The challenge to serve others, and as a result of serving others, we find freedom ourselves, is something of a paradox, isn't it? You know what a paradox is. A paradox is when two things seem to contradict each other, but they really don't. And we see them in life. You've heard the paradox, less is more. Well, how can less be more? Well, in certain circumstances, it can, can't it? You know what I'm talking about. And, and uh, I mean, if you're eating rich food, there are times when you say, don't eat a lot of that. I mean, less is more that we understand what that means. Or how about this one, uh, lonely in a crowd? You, those two don't seem to go together. How can you be lonely if there's a crowd of people? But you know that it's possible but you'd be lonely in a crowd of people. Jesus used paradox when he was teaching. He said this. Uh, here was a paradox he offers. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Well, there's a paradox in the text before us. Here's the paradox. Paul spends the first four chapters of this book saying that we need to let no one make us a slave. That we are free and no one is to, to put us in the yoke of slavery. And then he turns around in verse 13 and says, don't use freedom to serve yourself or to indulge the flesh. Instead, serve others. You want to take a wild guess at what the root word for serve is in Greek? Slave. Paul says, don't be a servant to yourself. You're free. But real freedom is found when we become a servant, a slave to others. 
when we give our lives to others. It, it, it was that that God created you for. God created us to serve, and he's gifted us to serve, and he's placed you within a body of Christ where you can use your abilities and your gifts and your experiences and your passion in order to serve. And you're never gonna thrive. You will never truly thrive in a church unless you're using your gifts and your abilities along with your personality and, and your heart and, and expressing those spiritual gifts and experiences in, in that local church. That's why it's so easy to go to a church and say, well, they just don't do anything for me. You know, the preacher doesn't preach anything that makes any difference in my life. You're just, you're, you have allowed your freedom to make you selfish and self-centered. It's all about me. But when I become a part of the body of Christ and it's about serving others and it's one anothering, then suddenly things change and I begin to thrive because it was that environment that God created me to be a part of. And Paul continues to reveal the difficulty of this when he says it's only possible, this, this is so foreign to who we are, that it's only possible as we yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. That as a child of God, I say, God, you know what? All of us at our very deepest nature are selfish. We're all self-centered, right? You remember me giving you a test? I could give you a test to know if you're self-centered. Who's the first person you look at in a group picture? Yeah, we're all self-centered. We're all selfish. We all are self-absorbed. And the only way that we can move beyond that is what Paul says and through the remainder of this chapter, Paul goes on to say, but I say in verse 16, walk by the spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. How can I overcome this selfishness? Walk by the spirit. Let God live in you. Yield your life to him every day. Wake up every day to say, God, what does it want me to do? I want to live according to your plan, your principle. I want to live my life. And, and what does he say? As we yield our life to the Spirit, he goes on down to that passage that we're familiar with in, in, in chapter 5, where he says, in the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit working in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those things are a part of our life. Why? Because the Spirit's living in me. You do understand that the fruit of the Spirit's just a picture of Jesus, Right? And you're never more like Jesus than when you serve others. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Well, the final thing that I want you to notice is this. I want you to notice also there's a, a, a charge, a connection that we need to make if we're to move forward. Now, the charge is not in, in, in the text so much as it's from me. I really want you to embrace this one another concept of serving others. And I want to do that by showing you another, yet another paradox that Jesus uses. It's one that's familiar to you. At least the first part of it is familiar to you, but you, you, you may have lost the paradox along the first part. Jesus in, 
in Matthew chapter 11 gives this interesting paradox. He says to, to, to us this, these words, you, you'll, you'll find them encouraging. You've been encouraged by them before. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wasn't that great? What an invitation. Come to me, every one of you that are burdened down, beat down, overwhelmed with life. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Thank you. I so desperately need that rest. And then the next verse almost contradicts what he just says because then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wait, 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 wait. Come to me all ye that are heavy laden, beat down, overwhelmed, and put on a yoke? Wait, wait a minute. Come to me all ye that are heavy laden and take my couch, lay down in my bed. Here's a hammock. But he says, take my yoke. Put on this yoke. I'm asking you to connect with me in such a way that we, you, you're just gonna have to, to, to let go of your freedom and become a slave to me, a servant to me. And there's freedom there. And it doesn't seem like it. I thought there would be no yoke if there's freedom. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I, was, I created you to live life in concert with me. When we put on that yoke and he puts on, you remember a yoke of oxen, that wooden frame that goes around the neck of one oxen and then the neck of another. Jesus is saying, I want you to so connect with me that you can rely on my strength. When it gets too tough for you to pull, listen, I'll pull. And you don't have to worry about direction anymore. You're connected to me. Where I go, you go. I'll give your life purpose. I'll give your life meaning. I'll give your life significance. But the only way that we're going to find that is to connect to him. So here's the challenge. If you have never accepted Jesus as your savior, that's the first step. The relationships that you have with others can be fine and good and healthy, but Nothing like they can be if you come to know him and live in the environment that he created you to live in. And so today we offer you an opportunity to come to know him as Savior. Turn from your sin to receive him as Savior as the people in Galatia were able to do. God, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. And as they become a part of his family, he gives us strength to move forward. And for the rest of us that know him, our ability to live for others comes from our ability to connect with him and allow him to love through us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our time together today. For the truth of this word, the paradox that seems to be out of place in some ways for us. 
but you have called us into relationship with you and into a relationship with each other. And it's only in that relationship that we can thrive. And there are some in this room that I pray, Holy Spirit, you would put your finger on their life and show them how selfish they have become, how self-centered they are. And maybe they can realize today, that's the reason their life's falling apart. And they can let go and begin to allow your spirit to do what you long to do in them, to bring them back into fellowship with you and with others. For those that are listening, those that are present who have never accepted you as Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would come to know you, Jesus, as, your, as their Savior and Lord, to receive you in the gift of eternal life you offer. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you are here today and have never accepted Christ, we want to give you that opportunity. If you're online, you can reach out to a, to a um, web host and a web pastor and you can ask those questions you need to ask. But I want to ask you to examine your heart. When we hear the Word of God, it's an opportunity to respond. And maybe the response is to the invitation to come to faith in Christ, to trust Him alone, not works, not religion, not baptism, but Him alone for salvation. Or to look at your own life carefully enough to allow the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, you have become pretty self-centered and it's time for you to let go of that and walk in the freedom that God's given. And that comes in serving others. Would you stand with me and as God speaks to you in this moment, if you'd like to have someone pray with you, I'd love the opportunity to do that. I'll be here to, to meet you as we have this moment to respond. Everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us. 